So this is the last week of this series, John 13 through 17. Don't miss this. And it's called this because Jesus is sharing basically a summary of everything he's been teaching for his entire ministry. And he's saying to his disciples, don't miss this because things are about to change. And so let's set the stage for today when we're going to be in John 17 as we evaluate this last chapter. They have the Last Supper. They get up after the Last Supper and they start walking through the city to the Garden of Gethsemane. And so they're just walking. Jesus is talking. And we go through chapters 14, 15, 16 as he's just walking and teaching. And then all of a sudden Jesus just stops. Stops in the middle of the road as far as we know. And the disciples probably stop and they kind of milling, looking around, looking like, what, what's going on? Jesus stops and he just prays out loud. And the disciples are just standing there, listening. And his prayer at that moment is what John 17 is. And so we are going to study and examine this prayer. And we're going to go through it rather quickly today. And so I encourage you, study this whole prayer on your own this week. At the end of the sermon notes in the app is our discipleship guide. And this is going to have a clear guide and good content for you to be able to study this uh, more deeply, to engage with yourself, your family, your small group, whatever your context is. Go in and check this out. And so let's begin by looking at this prayer and kind of answering the question, why is he praying this? Who's he praying for? So let's look at 9 and 20 in John 17. My prayer, this prayer that he's praying right now, my prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. In verse 20, I am praying not only for these disciples who are all standing there listening in, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So who is Jesus praying for at this moment? He's praying for the church. He's praying for the church that's right now just these disciples and a few other followers scattered throughout the area. He's praying for the church that's going to move into Acts and the explosion as it travels to the corners of the world. And it's going to be the church that lasts through the next 100,000, 2,000 years up to today where Grace Fishers were sitting here right now as a part of that same church connected with the Apostles connected with individuals who are worshiping this morning and yesterday and the next day throughout the entire week all across the world in multiple languages and cultures and places. We are all part of the church, those who follow and commit their lives to Christ. That's who Jesus is praying for, the church then and now. And the church is God's family, his children. For those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. And so his work upon the cross, his prayer in this chapter are for the church and for the church alone. And now you may think, well, that seems kind of closed off. What about other people? Does he not care for them? Well, that's kind of the cool thing is that the church, his family, has an open adoption policy. Anyone who believes and loves Jesus and commits their life to follow him will be adopted into his family. Jesus intercedes for the church then and today. Now this word intercede, because this is known as the intercession prayer in John 17. 
So what's that really mean? Quite simply, intercession means that Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for you at this moment in this prayer, that moment in time, and he prays for you still today at the right hand of the Father. Jesus prays for you, and he wants us to pray for others in the same way. That's why he's praying out loud. That's why this is recorded is because he is showing the disciples, modeling prayer to the disciples and saying this intercession, this way that I pray for you and for the church, I want you to pray for one another in the same way. And so Jesus models prayer because prayer is a very powerful thing. In James 5, 16, says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has a great power and it produces wonderful results. Your prayers make a difference. And it may not always be in the way that you expect, but God always shows up. This past Friday, we had a hearing. Um, I'm sorry, guys. Um, we had a hearing for our foster case because we're trying to adopt our foster children. And we were hoping and we were kind of told that would go positively and it did not. We are still in delays and it's, it's a very difficult process. And on Friday, there were countless individuals from this church who prayed for Nicole and I all day. Nicole and I have been praying for three years, over three years, for these children to be part of our family. And you may think, doesn't that mean your prayers weren't answered? Haven't they been useless? Well, I'm telling you, those prayers are not pointless. God showed up. Because when I got that phone call on Friday, my very first thought was, oh no, God be with me. I did not spiral. I did not go into anger. I did not lash out. I had a peace. And that peace is only possible because of what God is doing within my life. And that happens through the prayers of his people, through your prayers. So thank you, Grace Fishers, for being a part of this. Thank you for your prayers because they are powerful and they do something amazing. When you pray for others, something amazing happens intercession, praying for others, that is a powerful tool. And God wants us to practice this. And so right now, we're actually going to step into a time to practice this right now. We're going to have a period of time where we're going to just be in prayer. Okay? We're going to have music playing. And I want you to get up, go to friends, family, Pray with one another. Parents, bring your kids in and pray for your children and teach your children to pray for you, to pray for one another, for their friends. This is everyone participating in prayer, interceding for one another. And so we are going to do that right now. And it's okay if it's loud. It's okay if we have noise because that's just what family is. And we are family. And so I'm going to give you, though, three prompts to kind of help guide this time. Because you may be thinking, well, I don't even know how to start this. Or how do I get my children to do this? Well, 
my wife and I do this with our kids, and they can do it. Our, our youngest is four, so I think you'll be okay. It can happen. And so the very first prompt is to just pray to be kind. That's the one we do with our kids the most. We have them pray for one another to be kind to one another, to be a kind person. Because if we want to reflect God's heart to a world, that's kind of the first step, right? It's the easiest thing to pray for is to be kind. And so we can pray for one another to be kind. Number two, we can pray for us to know Jesus more. In whatever stage of life you're at, wherever you are in your faith journey, you can just pray that somebody knows Jesus more. And lastly, you can pray for someone to be comforted because like I am and like so many people are right now in this place, we go through a lot of stuff in our life and sometimes we just need someone to pray for us, to comfort us. Not to solve problems, but just to comfort. And so these are three prompts that are super easy to do. You can do it right now. Bring your kids into this. Parents, teach your children what it means to pray for one another. And this is a moment where you can begin that. And so the music's going to start. I encourage you, get up, move around, okay? You don't have to stay in your seat for this. We're all a family, and we all need prayer from one another. Let's go.
Jesus is many things. Uh, he's our go-between. He goes to the Father on behalf of us because he really, really loves us. And as Stephanie said, this is a holy week. Uh, it's a week that's set apart. It's a very special week. Today being Palm Sunday, we remember Jesus as the triumphant conquering king but he wasn't your typical conquering king because his triumph came through humility as he lowered himself and he went to the cross on our behalf. He went to the cross to die on our behalf. And in just a few days, we'll be celebrating a day known as Good Friday. And Good Friday remembers all of the events that took place when Jesus died for us upon the cross. And some might wonder, why do we call that good? Why do we call it a good Friday? Because it, it doesn't seem that way if Jesus dies. But if you think about it, that day is surrounded with goodness. Because God is good. And Jesus went to the cross for our good. For the good of all people. And that's why we call it a good Friday. And through his goodness, we've been given this gift of hope. We've been given this gift of the forgiveness of sins and eternal life with Jesus Christ. And that is good. Jesus intercedes for us in this prayer in John 17. And we have now practiced it. We have seen what it does in live action together today, this morning. Jesus prays for us. And Jesus is God. And so Jesus and God the Father are of the same mind. So the intercession that Jesus prays, his prayer in John 17 is not a request, but a declaration. And so we know that the things found within this prayer are true. They are not hopes or wishes. They are promises for us, for the church. So we're going to go through four promises for the rest of our time today, four promises found within this prayer. And I want you to reflect on these promises in your own way. We have just worshiped through prayer, through song. We have worshiped through communion. We have worshiped through community and fellowship as we've gotten together and just been with one another. There are so many different ways we worship. And the kids have gotten these bingo sheets, right? I hope you guys are keeping track. There's prizes. And so on the back of these sheets, there's the four promises already there, split up. That's right. And I want you to just draw a picture. As I kind of go through these things, draw a picture as you hear words, as you start thinking about things. And adults, you can do this too. Draw, journal, whatever it is. Be as worship within the church is as diverse as the church is. And so we actually even have a little example of this. Dante is one of our own, and he is super gifted in photography. And he has been studying John 17 in the weeks leading up to today, and he has taken some photos that can come up here. He's taken some photos as he has worshipped God through this passage. These are the photos that he took. And on our social media and other places, there's going to be a detailed description because he explains exactly where his heart is with these. And I'm telling you, it's beautiful. And so be on the lookout for that. But this is just an example of where Dante is worshiping in a way that's different than the way I would worship. I wouldn't do this, but Dante does this. 
And he has made a connection with God by worshiping in this way. And so find your way to worship. Draw those pictures. Figure out what it is that you need to do or how you can reflect upon these promises to be able to take them and make them real in your life today. And so let's dive into these promises. Promise number one is unity. In verse 21 in chapter 17, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be the church, be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. Jesus is praying for unity within the church. And let's be honest, that has not really been the case lately, has it? We haven't seen this acted out in an amazing way, but let me tell you, it's still true. Because unity, we've just been confused about what it means. Unity is not unity in structure. Doesn't mean that every church looks the same. Doesn't mean every tradition looks the same, does things the same way, worships in the exact same way. And it does not mean uniformity. We do not look the same. We are not going to speak the same language. We are not going to do things the exact same way. That's not what unity is. Unity is a unification in spirit and heart and purpose and a destiny. And that destiny is that we are united under Christ and we have eternity with him. And we are united in a purpose to glorify God in all that we do. The photos that Dante took, his worship through photography is glorifying God in a way that I won't do and many of us won't. And yet we are unified with him in that worship because we are worshiping the same Lord. We have unity and that unity provides the world with clarity. They will know that Jesus was sent by God, that Jesus is God because of the unity within the church. And that can begin with us here at Grace Fishers and the way that we interact with one another and with the global church and our brothers and sisters across all cultures and languages and ethnic groups, wherever they may be. Number two, our second promise that we see is assurance. In 12, it says, During my time here, I protected them, protected the disciples by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost. And so we have assurance. And what's that mean? That means that you know that if you are a follower of Jesus, that nothing can take you from the Father's hand, not even yourself. Now, this is not an excuse to just not live according to God's ways because obedience is a huge part of being a follower of Christ. But what this does mean is that no matter how you may mess up, God will not tire of you. If you have committed your life to him and you are following him as faithful as you can and you are trying to live in obedience and the Holy Spirit is doing a work in you, know that even if you mess up and you fail, you cannot be taken away from him because he will not tire of you. He will not cast you aside just because you messed up. The Father loves you. And so do not fear that you will be rejected by God just because you have failed. Number three, our third promise is joy. In verse 13, I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world 
just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. The truth is bad things happen. We all know this. Bad things happen in our lives. It's just the way it is. Jesus recognizes this. That's what he's saying in in verse 14. He recognizes that bad things happen in this world. And he's not praying that those bad things go away. He's not praying that bad things just stop happening to us, even as his followers. That's not what he's praying for. He asks that we're kept safe from the evil one. That's how he words it. What's that mean? It means that he's praying that we are resistant to the lies that lead us away from God. Because the evil one is trying to trick us and lie to us so that when bad things happen, we feel like we can't turn to God. Or we feel like God rejects us. Or we feel like there's no path forward. That's the lies, things that lead us away from God. So Jesus is not praying that the bad things just don't happen at all, but he's praying that we don't succumb to the lies during the bad times that lead us away from him. We have joy that carries us through all things. And so to understand this better, we're going to do a little activity, okay? And so I want everyone to turn to someone Okay, parents, get your kids in. Have them answer this question. Look to the person next to you. Find someone who's maybe sitting by themselves, and you guys talk with one another. What is one of your happiest memories? Okay, think on it for a second. What is one of your happiest memories? For me, there's this memory I have when I was a little kid. I went with my cousins to some, like, adventure park type thing, and it had, like, huge ball pits and the slides or whatever. I don't even remember where it was, or honestly, I don't remember who was actually there. I think it was my cousins. But I remember that day and just how happy I was as a little boy. That is a memory that's always stuck with me, is the happiness of that day. One of my happiest memories as a kid. And so think about what is one of your happiest memories and share it. You guys got 20 seconds. All right, I know that wasn't enough time, guys, but we're going to ring it back in because we got to get out of here. Okay? So ring it back in. We have these memories, right? You remember this, and you remember the happiness that you felt. You remember that happiness, but those happy feelings, they fade into a memory. You remember the happiness, but you're not experiencing it right now because happiness is different from joy. Happiness is an external thing causing this emotion within you. And so you have happiness and you have a memory of the happiness. Joy is as if that happiness never goes away. It's not just a memory of happiness. It's a constant companion that is with you at all times. It's a feeling that never fades. Life becomes the series of I am joyful and whatever emotion you feel in your present circumstance. As I have walked through this weekend from severe disappointment and I have been sad. I mean, there's no way to say it other than I've just been sad. I'm sad this morning, but I am joyful 
because of what the Lord is doing, and I am sad. And that is a reality that we can live in as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. We can be joyful and experience our emotions in the present. That's what joy is, and that's what Jesus promises for us. Number four, our last promise is holiness. 17, it says, make them holy. Make the church holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Basically, what this means is that we don't stay the same. We're not going to stay the same. As followers of Jesus, those who commit ourselves to him, we will not stay the same. And that is amazing. Because we do bad things. Bad things happen to us and we do bad things to other people, don't we? We fail. We mess up. And parents, I'm going to put you on the spot this morning. Okay? I know this is going to be weird, but I want you to engage in this. Because your children need to see that you confess when you mess up. And that you ask for forgiveness. And it's not just for parents and kids. We all need to be, as part of this family, we need to be able to confess when we mess up and ask for forgiveness from one another. And so, our next moment of engagement, how have you messed up lately? And you don't have to go, like, super deep. If my family was here with me, a few weeks ago, I was on a phone call with my 8-year-old daughter, and the truth was, she was telling me a story about something that happened at school, and I zoned out. And that was wrong. I should have confessed. I, I mean, I did. But I, I needed to confess that and ask her to forgive me, my eight-year-old. Or if I'm talking to my wife, we had a little disagreement a few weeks ago. You know, rarely ever happens. But we had a little disagreement, and my tone was a little harsh. Because even though, you know, I didn't want to say anything to her, I wanted to make sure she still knew I was upset. So I had a little bit of a harsh tone, and that was wrong. And I needed to ask her for forgiveness. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but there's things within our lives that we have done, and we need to be able to have that, have a place where we can confess. Our kids need to know it's okay that you mess up as long as we reconcile and make it right. And so how have you messed up lately? I'm going to give you a little bit longer for this one. <laughs> so you guys got a couple minutes talk with one another. Parents, teach your kids one of the most important things you can teach them this morning. All right, let's go. Two minutes.
30 seconds. All right, let's start wrapping it up. My prayer is that this becomes regular habit within your home, your relationships, your friendships, because this is important. We mess up, and we do not have to keep repeating our mistakes. God changes us. That is what holiness is, that he sanctifies us, makes us more like him, that we become better. We become better, more like God. And that is awesome. Because let me tell you the truth, I do not want to be the same person tomorrow that I am today. I do not want to be the same person that I was 10 years ago. I want to be better. I want to be a better man. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better preacher. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be better. And God promises us that we will be as we follow him. That is beautiful. All of this, what we've talked about today and over the past several weeks, all this Jesus is putting on the table and saying, don't miss this. This is all very important. God's love for us is amazing, and it does amazing things. It transforms us. It guides us. It gives us a path forward. And Jesus made sure the disciples knew before he was crucified how much his love for them was going to change them and change the world forever. And God's love for you is still just as powerful today as it was then. And it can change your world. Are you going to let it? I'm going to leave you with this final benediction, which means I'm just sending you away with this final thought. And it's found in verse 25 and verse 26 in chapter 17. And this is a beautiful sentiment from Jesus Christ for us to hold on to. And it says, O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples and this church know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Amen and amen. When we think of this week, this holy week, and all that we've really journeyed in today, there's a heaviness, there's even a sadness to it when we look at Jesus and his cross. But as Nathaniel said, we hold sadness and joy simultaneously together at the same time. And we want to end with this last song that we think really just encompasses a profound truth that we do not 
want to miss. And that's simply God's love for us. We just want to sing this over this space this morning. I've got a friend Closer than a brother There is no judgment Oh, how he loves me I've got a friend And he is my strength And he is my portion With me in the valley With me in the fire with me in the storm let all my life testify
Well, friends, it has been a joy to worship with you this morning. And I want to encourage you this week as we walk towards Easter, that you take a couple of moments like you've been encouraged to reflect on the events that lead up um, to next Sunday. And remember that when things are darkest, hope shines the brightest. And so next Sunday, we'll celebrate Easter. We'll celebrate Jesus' resurrection and the hope that that brings for all of us. So we look forward to celebrating with you, whether you're in person or whether you're going to join us online because you're traveling. I do want to encourage you to be here for the start of the service because there's some really beautiful elements that we're kicking off the service with.